Hello everyone, this is Four Dudes Interview. Uh, welcome back to the second episode or third or whichever one this is going to fall into place. We are here with a projectionist from a movie theater. Uh, would you like to Would you like to tell us who you are? And I guess I already spoiled it, but what What do you do for a living? Absolutely, yes. My name is Luis Carlos. I am a projectionist. I'm 43 years old. I've been doing it for 25 years now, since the age of 18. Uh, been a projectionist the whole time. Um, now I'm also an associate floor manager. That's that's what I do. Cool. How long have you been an associate floor manager? I'm gonna say this is going on five, six years now. Oh wow. Uh, what were you before that? Straight projection. Straight projection. Mm-hmm. Started off as projectionist uh, at the age of 18. Uh, desperately looking for work while going to college, and luckily I knew somebody that was able to hire me. I was hired at uh, Sharpstown Mall. Um, I was trained there by a a guy named Michael Taylor. Um, He taught me how to um, build up film and work on the projectors, stuff like that. Eventually, I moved away from there about a year and a half later, and I started working with some union guys. And the union guys, they weren't actually allowed to show me anything, but I was able to watch them, and I kind of just picked things up on my own there. Yeah. But um, when I first started off, projection was a separate entity from the theater operations and stuff. So projection never really had to interact with any money, yeah. employees. It was straight direct uh, contact with the uh, general manager. So you were just in the booth most of the time, just running back and forth between the theaters? Exactly. 40 hours of just booth time. Damn. <laughs> yeah. That's... A lot of isolation. Very much, man. <laughs> I felt like the hunchback in Notre Dame for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> that does seem really, like, cool, though. Mm-hmm. You just spend your day lurking around in the shadows. Yeah. I'm the guy that makes the movies work. <laughs> yeah, 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 man. Something goes wrong, they all look back at you, and you're like, ah. Yeah. But yeah, for the most part, <laughs> yeah, as, as long as you're not messing with them, up, you're the hero. And, yeah. And they have no idea who you are, you know? Yeah. They are the, the, un- the hero. The unsung hero of the movie theater. So, So, uh, oh, so I wanted to back up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, You said something that you you had to watch the union guys kind of get some knowledge. Were you trained on how to use the uh, the projectors, or did you have to go into? Did you just go into the the job, kind of having to pick up some grasp some of the skills yourself? Right. So. Going into the job, I went into it blindly. I had no idea how to work projectors. I had no idea how they work at all, how they function. So I was going to school at the time. I was going to the Arts Institute of Houston for music and video business. So I was kind of in a different path already. I was kind of mainly focusing on studio gear and band business. Uh, But because I needed a job, I was lucky enough to uh, go into the theater business. So coincidentally, there was a projectionist that was in the area while I was asked, what do I want to do? And I said, I want to do what he does. So I kind, of, I kind of just fell into the position of projection. But when I started training at Sharpstown Mall, I was trained by a non-union projectionist. This guy had the ability to show me how to build up the movies, how to add trailers, how to change out trailers. Um, a very basic, simple uh, intro to troubleshooting uh, with film and the projectors. I was there for about a year and a half, and then after that, I was moved to a larger theater, the River Oaks Theater, 
that place was a little bit more prime time. The River Oak Theater that I worked at was the last of the union guys that were involved in the theater projection business. These guys <clears throat> were not allowed to teach anybody how to do their job. It was, you know, it was against the, the rules. The union the, policy? Right, the union policy, the union rules. Um, so they weren't, they weren't allowed to teach me anything. So what they would do is they would work, mm -hmm. and they would allow me to be around. So you can just kind of like watch and absorb it, basically? Exactly. Just, yeah, so that's interesting. I did, I had to do that. I had to learn the hard way, and when it came down to finally, okay, here you go. You have to change a bulb. <laughs> okay. All right. You think you could tell us around like uh, when was when was this? You know, so we can get an idea. Like, mm -hmm. there it's was like, only film around, or was there any like transition between film or any other kind of form of? Right. So I started in October of '93. Um, everything was still film. Uh, of course, film started. Film and the projection started in 1900. Um, it evolved over the time, over the years, in the 50s and the 60s, going from reel to reel to finally having a, a platter system, and then in the 70s having an automation system so that the lights and everything kind of changes by itself. Um, and when I got into it in the 90s, the union guys were telling me that this is a dinosaur age, you know, all this stuff is dying out, you might want to get out of the business because they're going to get rid of everybody. Yeah. But <coughs> computers are taking over, man. <laughs> taking my job, man. They're taking my job. So they were telling me that this was going to be the end of all this stuff and for me to go ahead and move on. But because I made a promise when I got hired that I'd be around as long as they needed me, mm -hmm. I, I stuck to it and, and I had to be loyal to the, to the theater. Um, but in 93, when I started, film was still active. Um, it was in 95 when I moved over to the River Oaks Theater. <clears throat> the union guys were there till about 97. Um, so I'm going to say maybe from 98 till 2000, um, I was like the, the head booth guy at the River Oaks Theater. Once the union guys had left, they kind of put me in charge. I had to train everybody make sure that the theater uh, booth part was um, maintained and everything. Now, you keep saying union guys. Uh, were you able, you, were you ever able to become a part of the union? Or was that ever offered to you? Or did you ever try to, like, be a part of the union? Or how did that work on their level? Mm -hmm. Or how much of that would you know since they weren't allowed to tell you anything anyway? Right. No, they were very, they were very open about the union. Um, it was pretty much dying out. They knew that the corporate level was mm -hmm. starting to be involved in all these theaters that were down here. Um, Ronald Reagan had busted up a bunch of unions in the 80s. So these guys, the union guys that I worked with, they were very aware of how limited the time was. Yeah. So they definitely did not encourage me to join the union. For the most part, they really wanted me to leave and yeah. get out of the business. Yeah. So they said I could, I could do better yeah. doing something else. This is just a dead-end job. Yeah. Kind of like save you from wasting your time, basically, or what they thought was wasting your time. Very much, very much. Interesting. Um, now, okay, you, because you were talking about like the old film and like they were saying it was dying out and stuff like that. Like nowadays, they have hard drives for the projections. 
how does that work or like when exactly did that transition take place like when did film completely leave and then the digital took over basically okay so film started to get phased out in the year 2004 2005 they really started talking about how film just wasn't going to be around anymore yeah kodak and um any other film companies that were out there, I can't really think of them right now, but um, they were basically going to be obsolete. Uh, they were starting to find new mediums and directions uh, that their businesses were going to go. Um, so the first projector, the first digital projector that the theater that I'm currently working at now received, um, we got it in the year 2007. We got one digital projector then. Um, between 2007 and 2012, we slowly converted over 23 auditoriums Damn. from film to digital. Yeah. And it wasn't until December uh, of 2012 that all the theaters went completely digital. Like across the U.S. or like across globally or? That's, well, we can, we can kind of say for the most part all the theaters across the U.S. probably around the same time were yeah. completely digital. So the transition time was... Anywhere from 2005 yeah. to 2012, or maybe 2013, but right around that time period was definitely when the conversion was happening. It was, yeah. a, it was, it was a slow process because it took a lot of money. Yeah. It was a lot of money, and you have to make a lot of machines. I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. A lot of screens. Just things just don't look cheap. They're not cheap. J.P. Morgan owns a lot of them. Of course, J- J.P. Morgan and Tesla, you know, if you guys are familiar with that whole battle and stuff, well, J.P. Morgan still has his hands on control. Yeah. <laughs> that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> do you prefer hard drives over the old films? Now I do. Um, at first, artistically, I guess, um, the film had such a unique characteristic. The grainy mass of it on the screen the, sh- the light and shadow that that film produced was just untouchable but now because digital is just so convenient and uh, so easy to um, to put on the screen mm-hmm. I can definitely favor it now and of course modern technology makes everything just so crisp and clear and really the um, the, the general audience doesn't really care too much about whether it's light and shadow. They just come out. They want to have a good time. You know, the clearer yeah. the better. So, uh, you know, because of that, I, I definitely say, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and favor the, the, the more modern digital era. Um, you know, I, I do believe the only thing that's constant is change. So um, I'm good with flowing with, with change. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, man, it was, it was so hard to get over the film. It was so hard. I was just like, dude, no, 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 no. This can't happen. This right. can't happen, man. But, right. but yeah, finally, I finally gave in. We said, yeah, this is you know, digital is the way to go. So. Um, so technology isn't perfect, as we all know. So do you find that you have more issues with hard drives than film, seeing how like there's a possibility of the file being corrupted? Exactly. Absolutely. You know, sometimes in moments like that, where you have an error with a computer, and you know, there's no immediate solution. You definitely look back to the days of film when you could have just easily picked up another movie and brought it over here and run it real quick. But um, because digital is as complex as it is, um, you are 
bounds and have situations where things aren't working properly and there's nothing you can do. You can argue with the machine all you want. Ace is not going to answer you back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got to call somebody. You got to call somebody. Some Something called help desk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why they call it that. <laughs> it's more like delay desk. <laughs> They're never really around. But um, yeah, digital um, digital does have its problems. But the more you um, the more you troubleshoot and uh, experience uh, problems, the easier it is to overcome them. Just like anything else, I guess. What are the origins of Lewis Carroll? Um, my passion is. Um, with music and that goes back to the days of when I was being babysat by my grandfather my grandfather played violin so he was a violinist in a big orchestra band in the 1930s and he was from Monterey, Mexico and they would travel from Monterey to Chicago with this big orchestra band and that's how he was able to work in the, in, in the U.S. and stuff so when I was born um my uncles were playing music already. Mm-hmm. They had a, a they had a band in the '60s, a tropical band. One one uncle played saxophone, the other one played guitar, the other one played the piano, nice. all the keys and stuff. Yeah. Uh, my dad also played music. He played guitar too. So, when I was a kid, my uncle, my my grandfather would play music, the violin and the guitar, and um, they were just so passionate about it at their age. You know, I mean. 70, 80 years old and mm-hmm. stuff. So now when I play music, it takes me back to that time period when yeah. I was a little kid and I'm kind of like trying to make my grandfather and my uncles and everybody proud of me and stuff. Um, so <clears throat> when I graduated from high school, I wanted to continue my education. My mother really wanted me to be a doctor. She wanted me to be a plastic surgeon. But, um, you know, I was just a little bit more interested in music and yeah. you know, trying to fulfill this personal goal of mine. Is there any specific reason it was a plastic surgeon? She wanted me to hook her up. <laughs> <laughs> she wanted me to... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Could have been coming off of surgery. Yeah, she wanted me to, she wanted me to preserve her, her face, her, her facial features and stuff, you know. I see. Just like any other mother, I guess. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> yeah, she, she wanted me to be a plastic surgeon and kind of touch her up for free. Yeah. First, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't see any other reasons. Yeah, she just wants a hookup. Okay, <laughs> I got you, mom. You said that music influenced you very heavily. Then, uh, what were I? Uh, what were some bands and genres that you especially liked growing up that uh, you know might have carved the character you are today? Mm-hmm. Growing up in the eighties. I had half-sisters that moved in with us for a while, mm-hmm. and they were 10 years older than me, so they kind of had a head start as far as music goes. They they kind of introduced me a little bit to the more rock and roll, yeah, heavy metal stuff that was out there and stuff. But, but before that, it was just basically classic um, Spanish Tejano music that my, my uncles and everybody listened to. It's a, it's a genre skip. Right. <laughs> but but I was I was happy that I was able to grow up with this Spanish Mexican influence mm-hmm. early on and then bounce over to this American traditional rock and roll. Yeah. You know, so eventually I was able to combine the two. I was I was about to ask, have you ever thought about trying right. to do like Tejano heavy metal or something? Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I'm doing now. Um, now I'm kind of 
following more so on my father's mm-hmm. on my dad's uh, style of music which is a little bit more 1930s folk yeah. traditional uh, guitar stuff uh, the earlier music um, was very much heavily influenced by my grandfather's violin style. He was very much lead. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So the early the early music was more like that. It was definitely a lot more scales, a lot more faster, chaotic, I guess. Uh, eventually I got influenced from my uncle with the saxophone, the wind section, uh, you know, then the piano, did some keyboards and stuff eventually on some music. <sighs> But yeah, I mean, my uncles, my half-sisters, my dad, they all had their own styles that <clears throat> definitely made a, an, an imprint on me. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned that you like heavy metal and, you know, like other, but like American heavy metal and, you know, like stuff like that. Um, what, uh, what band specifically, like, would you say, like, very heavily influenced you growing up? Right on. <clears throat> so... In 88, 89, um, you know, Ozzy, Metallica, Anthrax was uh, was pretty popular at its time, and it was doing its thing. But right around the 90s, um, death metal and extreme metal was emerging. And new metal. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Not everything was perfect in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, well, there was also the grunge scene. undeniable their influence that they had mm-hmm. you know for the 90s and stuff um, a lot of people say that grunge killed rock and roll you know mm-hmm. maybe it changed the direction or something but rock and roll yeah I think it's it's still it's still alive it, yeah. It's, yeah you can't kill it man it's, it's even cool. like a lot of a lot of modern musicians are kind of like going backwards with uh, like uh, some of their material mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like they're kind of like going back to like how old school like rock and roll sounded and kind of just like fusing that with like a modern rhythm. There you go. Like man. I've been hearing a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're, we're going forward in reverse, man. It's like yeah. a pendulum, the ebb and flow yeah. of the universe. You know, we, we hit that point, now we're going back. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, the, the 90s death metal was emerging. You know, Morbid Angel was up there. Uh, DSI, those were definitely some heavy influences. Um, finally, in the mid '90s, death metal and everything got saturated with, oversaturated with, just crazy bands that weren't really <laughs> worth it. <laughs> right. So you know, New metal. <laughs> yeah, you know, you have to you have to choose your bands wisely. And finally, I came across this one band called Angel Corpse, which I highly praise them. And these guys left an untouchable throne when they finally broke up. Uh, but uh, Angel Corpse is definitely a major influence. Uh, of course, Christian, my brother's from Brazil. Yeah. <laughs> What's up, Alex? Moises, Max. Yeah. <laughs> so you know these people. Yeah. No, seriously. Uh, yeah, the 90s, man. I was able to uh, uh, grow up and hang out with a lot of these bands and stuff. Cool. You know, they're, they're all getting bigger and yeah. they're all moving on doing their thing. And that's, that's here in Houston, right? That's not... No. Across the U.S., from yeah. Europe, uh, in the '90s, I was able to bring in bands from all over the place. Nice. Uh, of course, all, all the way up until 2000, 2005, 2009. Yeah. Uh, one of the recent bands that we brought about two, three years ago was a band called Nervosa. It's an all-female band from Brazil. It was their first time in the U.S. 
and we had them at this place called the White Swan, mm-hmm. capacity of maybe 100, 200 people. Now these girls are playing bass left and right. Mm-hmm. Dude, these girls just blew up, you know, and I was fortunate enough to, to uh, bring them around and got to know them. Uh, same thing with Christian, you know, they, they first time in the U.S., and um, a lot of the bands, they're, you know, they're all starting off in the 90s and try to keep in touch with all of them. Yeah. As much as I could. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, how did you, how did you, how were you able to bring them over? Like, how were you able to discover them and bring them here? Or, like, what were you doing at the time that allowed you to do that? So, after I graduated in December 94, um, from 95 all the way on out, um, I really took the the bands, you know, serious. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we're not just a garage band. I, I was trying to be very professional. The, the band was kind of in the way the guinea pig, you know, trying to see how far I can take the business with mm-hmm. with the band and stuff. Um, so by having the band, I was able to use it as uh, a reason to keep booking. So I was booking for my own band. At the same time, I had the door open to any other bands from out of town, out of state. Uh, record labels would call me up. Other bookers, other promoters, they would email uh, my my business which I had at that time at that time the promotion company was called members of the black circle society which was kind of a long title (laughs) you know but I think it just just kind of it kind of fit the purpose of what we were doing because I kind of felt like we were just like this this black circle of people that all had the same agenda which was to bring in yeah you know all these bands yeah yeah. you know and and that's pretty cool that is yeah, and, and the thing is, I, wa- I wanted to um, present these guys, um, somebody trustworthy and professional, you know, because there was a lot of shady people going on. Like I said, in 95, uh, it was oversaturated with just some you know, mm-hmm. BS bands and stuff, and people that were out there just ripping people off or yeah. trying to make a quick buck off of this stuff. And I knew that that was happening, and I didn't want to, uh, you know, I didn't want that to continue to happen. So I was trying to do my best to uh, be professional and trustworthy, you know. Kind of steer them in the right direction, or keep them in the right direction, yeah. basically. Yeah, you know, the professional bands and also the younger bands, because when my band was young, uh, all the older bands, they didn't really want to help out. Yeah. You know, they were like, oh man, it's just a kid band, get out of here, you know. Yeah. Okay, cool, man, I got you. Yeah. So I didn't want to be like that, and I tried to help out all the, the younger bands that I knew that were coming up, up and around, trying to give them some kind of direction. Yeah. You would almost think that that's just the inherently smart thing to do. You would think. You know, like, because, like, what's the number one thing that murders the income of, like, a famous band is just going out. Like, it happens all the time. Like, you can't keep, it's, it, I don't know, it just feels like as a content creator, like, keeping your pulse on, like, the new wave is kind of fucking important. Mm -hmm. I'll see a lot of these a lot of those people too also see them as competition or future competition right so like if I help these guys out they might take my money in the future because they might be better than me right I, I think that that's kind of like a dumb it's, way to look yeah, at it yeah it's a dumb and shitty way to do it but that's how they do it but in that industry you know <laughs> or like record labels that come around but and like, take advantage of them and then take all the royalties and like a bunch of their shit Fundamentally, though, that's not how music works. Like, you listen to a band because you want to listen to that specific band. Yeah. Like, you, you know, you like, like if you introduce play. another person, they can only, like, help you reach out your own tendrils out yeah. amongst the icky, gooey, fucking, 
whatever society or whatever. You know what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, you're right, man. I'm just saying, Hell like, yeah. Yeah. it's just, it would behoove one to, you know, maintain a kind of professional. You would think, but yeah. not all people think like that. Well, yeah. stupid. And then, we're, you know, now nowadays, of course, because of the internet and everybody's exposed to all yeah. kinds of information now, you're able to kind of come to a, a, a good conclusion like that. Back then, 90s, 95, you know, <clears throat> this extreme music was still new, mm-hmm. new to everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, people didn't know their trust. Yeah. So it was definitely a, diff- a different time. Yeah. And nowadays, you can kind of do all the stuff yourself. Yeah. Almost. Like, you can promote yourself, you can record yourself, you can do it all well I mean so I think that was always an option it's just easier yeah. well it's, I mean yes and no <laughs> yeah yeah I mean you know people who had the um, the gear the gear yeah, and the ability you know, to, yeah. to do it or, for sure or the friend in the studio who can like get them in for free you know mm-hmm. but, or a band oh, yeah. they had an actual band yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make music right I need a band oh <laughs> So, like, get, kind of getting back to uh, projection and stuff like that, like, back, like, we'll, we'll go to the present, basically. So, if I were to want to be a projectionist today, how would I go about doing that? And also, what are some of your daily tasks as a projectionist or an assistant floor manager? So, absolutely, for the most part, I mean, the projectionist job is still relevant to the theater because the human element is still involved. Yeah. <clears throat> um, now we work with hard drives, mm-hmm. and you have to be more computer literate. Yeah, uh, understand where to click and what to what to push and stuff. Um, besides the computer part, you have to um, change out bulbs, the xenon bulbs. Mm-hmm. Um, and what exactly do those do? Right. So the projector has. Uh, pressurized xenon gas um, bulb which ranges from 4,000 watts to up to 7,000 watts Mm -hmm. Um, and this bulb provides the light that you see onto the screen so these bulbs need to be changed out within 700 to 1,000 hours depending on which wattage it is Um, you have to be very careful because it's pressurized yeah Uh, you know you can't touch the glass because the oil on your fingertips yeah will concentrate on, on the part and dull oh, wow. it, dull it, yeah. So how do you handle one of those things? You wear gloves. Gloves? Face mask. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's you know. serious. The thing is, you know, one in a million could blow up on you. Yeah. I mean, I've been doing it 25 years now. Yeah. I think I'm pretty close to that million. <laughs> <laughs> right? So you've never actually broken one of those bulbs before? I, right. I haven't accidentally broken one. Um, we are. We were required at one point to de- to destroy them mm. after we use them and stuff. So um, <clears throat> they come in a case mm-hmm. uh, to prevent it from exploding on your face <clears throat> or anybody else. Yeah. But after the bulb was changed out, you know, you would take it outside and you would uh, you would explode the, the bulb so that it doesn't explode on somebody else. Yeah. And then you're able to toss it. <clears throat> now they're recycled and somebody else takes care of that. So. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely the human element is still around because you have to troubleshoot um, if you have sound issues or, you know, things yeah. aren't started and upright. You know, you have to know what what to do, take care of it, you know, efficiently and stuff. Yeah. 
and how often do these issues occur? Mm, it could be on a day-to-day basis, seriously. Yeah. You know, anything from masking to the sound being too low, maybe yeah. movies not starting. You know, now with uh, the new Screen X, now with the new Screen X, uh, they, uh, they they work on time code mm-hmm. to um, get the side projectors in sync with the main projector. Yeah. So you have to, have to take that into consideration. Yeah. <sighs> but to become a projectionist nowadays, um, I think you would have to have some kind of knowledge, I guess, like I said, uh, computers. You have to be careful with um, xenon bulbs. Yeah. Uh, you have to be um, able to understand troubleshooting quickly. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know how else to uh, apply at a theater for projections. I mean, maybe you can you just ask for it, I guess. But yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, one of the things is it's like level five. Yeah, it's probably one of the higher-ups. Like, you don't, you don't just start being a projectionist mm-hmm. anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. no, no. Yeah, I was very fortunate, you know, back in 1993, looking back at it, you know, they just happened to meet somebody. Mm-hmm. I just happened to be in my situation. Yeah. It, was, it was almost destiny. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right place, right time kind of thing. That's right. See, I wouldn't know about that. What no, you said you had a better question. <laughs> I promise you, you had a better question. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say, what are some problems you run into uh, on a like a daily basis? Mm-hmm. Yeah. On a daily basis, you'll have um, sound not switching over right, or um, the masking. You know, the top masking isn't up or down. Um, sometimes movies don't start on time. Um, oh, could you could you explain what the masking is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just so. Mm-hmm. So, so the masking would be the curtains that go around the screen. Uh, the masking can go from left to right, which will be on the side of the screen, or it can go up and down, which will be on the top of the screen. And the reason why the masking would move the way it does is because the uh, motion picture has two aspects. You'll have the flat aspect, which is more of a square box version of the, of the movie uh, more commonly in like comedies and actions sometimes well actually the, the scope version which is a widescreen that would be more in the dramatic element mm-hmm. so maybe you know act, uh, action and stuff like that now is that something you have to program in like you have to program a certain like way it looks correct so each movie um, is built up to play at its uh, recommended aspect mm-hmm. Um, that information is communicated over to the automation board. Yeah. The automation board controls everything from the lights, the sound, the masking, the lens. Yeah, what time they do everything. And the bolts yeah. come on. So the automation would control all that stuff. Now, from the automation, it sends the information over to the motors behind the screen that will move the masking up and down or left and right. Um but now these motors that are back there, they're kind of older, mm-hmm. they're breaking down after a while, so the company that makes those motors aren't around anymore, so now you can't really fix a motor, so what you'll have to do is you'll have to um, align the scope image a little bit more centered onto the, uh, the flat version of, 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 the, of the screen there. But um, that's what the masking would be. Um, the sound, same thing. It would go from uh, intermission music to the actual feature music. And sometimes it doesn't switch over right. Um, 
lights in the auditorium. Sometimes those don't go down. Um, I think that's for the most part all the problems we would have. Yeah, maybe on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, maybe the, maybe once a week if you're lucky. Right. <laughs> so how about uh, people problems? You know, you, we talk about your projection skills. You know, like what kind of what kind of problems you have up there, or what kind of skills you you required to have up there in the booth. You know, you're also a floor manager. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. So on the floor manager level, um, you know, you're going to have all kinds of problems from, like, restrooms to, uh, you know, people complaining about things inside the auditorium, cell mm-hmm. phones or loud babies or people snoring. Yeah. Um, but uh, that is also uh, delicate situations that you had to... Um, you have to have some real people skills, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, you know, you, you have to handle each situation carefully because not only is the person involved that is, is having a problem, but you're also representing the company. So it just depends on the situation. Sometimes they're very delicate. Yeah. Have you ever had to remove someone from the theater or kick them out, export them out, or, you know, to anything to that nature? Yeah, there was a there was a time one time when um, this one guy was really really drunk, and he was knocked out. You know, twenty was passed out of sleep, oh, wow. snoring. So the people around him, you know, they, they pointed him out. Had to approach the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily, I uh, <coughs> I was accompanied by by a sheriff. Uh, when something like that happens, you definitely don't want to go in it alone. Yeah, yeah. You know, so um, there was a sheriff with me, and uh, this guy was uh, passed out. Finally, after waking him up, uh, he started becoming uh, very defensive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. What are you doing in my movie theater? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but, okay, so was he just sleeping through the movie, right? Like, he was, he was snoring really, like, obviously. Causing really a disturbance. Causing a disturbance. Yeah. Okay. So, because of that, we approached him, and then he started getting very defensive. And then he started basically fighting Holy crap. the officer. Damn. What? <laughs> yeah, like this guy wants to <laughs> wrestle. He wants to wrestle a sheriff. Damn. This is in the middle of the movie? Or? In the middle of the movie. Wow. Yeah, the movie's playing. Wow. We asked him if he could step outside. Yeah. So we could talk to him. Uh, yeah. But he refused to. And so you just, you just <laughs> yeah. like, hey man, you gotta leave. Yeah, <laughs> so it quickly escalated. Dang. Uh, handcuffs. Dang. You know, I had to take him to the back office. Had to run a background check on the guy. Uh, but yeah, he was he was removed. Oh wow. Yeah, there was no way we were gonna let this guy back in. Yeah, you you can't after that. Uh, what section of the movie theater was he in? Like, dead, was he in the middle? Or? Dead center. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> dead center. Right underneath the light of the projector. Damn. That just that seems like. You have to go out of your way and inconvenience yourself to go through that whole scenario. Like, I don't know, if somebody was like, hey, dude, quit fucking snoring. You'd probably just be like, ah, fuck, my bad. Like, right. Yeah. I, I don't know, I would try not to fall asleep. Yeah. Like, you know, like. Yeah. I guess it doesn't work that way. In it's just yeah. crazy <laughs> that it goes anywhere but that. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, anything yeah. else seems like too much work. Yeah. People do overreact though. They just 
Uh, and that's the thing. I mean, they're they're paying you money not just to stand around and make sure that the restrooms are clean. Yeah, you know, you're protecting the theater at some point that's, because you have people causing a disturbance or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's really what they're paying you for to to make sure that everything is handled right. Yeah, and at the same time, make sure the movies work. <laughs> One question I feel like I need to ask on behalf of everybody is: How often do you find people having sex in the theater? Wow, that's a good one. <laughs> oh I didn't write that down. I should have. I mean, that's everyone wants to know. Yeah, absolutely. Let's be real. Yeah. Like, no, absolutely, because it, it does happen. I mean, you can't deny it. You know, it's it's definitely uh, almost the reason why the theater exists. <laughs> <laughs> Valentine's Day. Right. Whatever. The thing is, you're in a room. It's dark, and you know you're you're with somebody. That's it. You know. But, like, how often does this occur? <laughs> like, on average a year, how many times would you say you ran into You've this? You've caught, instance? so that's right. not saying, yeah. This yeah, is that not, you just, that you personally. This is how many people. Yeah, you're, you were doing a theater check. Mm-hmm. And you just happened to see. So. Or so, hear. <laughs> or know of. Like, or smell. I don't think he's, like, I don't think the coworkers are going to lie. Like, yeah. If he's heard about something, then, like, that counts. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, now in the floor manager position, um, I've definitely seen less. Um, yeah. But but there are some occurrences where they're in the restroom. Oh, wow. Or they're in that very front, front, front row. Yeah. Which is weird, because you think they would be in the back. Right. <laughs> no, yeah. back is the worst. Everyone can look up and see you. Like the front is the money spot. Well, actually, when when I was in the look down at you, actually look down at you. Yeah, no, but like you're just seeing like the back of my head. You don't know what the fuck I'm doing with this. So like, I'm yeah, but saying. I mean, like in the back, there's also like really dark corners and stuff. So I mean, ideally, <laughs> sure, if there was like nobody in the theater. But if there's a lot of people in the theater and you're still looking to fuck in the theater, well, luckily, I do it in the honestly like very front. Well, luckily we have assigned seating, so now you can pick where you want to do it at. Yeah, I know, you can see beforehand. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean. I will say that before when I was if working. If you had to give it a number, <laughs> <laughs> oh I need 50. to actually hear a number. Fifty. Fifty. Fifty a year. Nah, Five zero. This is say once a week at least. I mean, if we're, wow. if we're, gonna, if we're gonna do it, that is more than I thought actually. Right. Well, uh, well, the thing is, when when I was working projection, you had to go to every projector, mm-hmm. and you had to look out through every port glass. Yeah. So when that happened, you know, you just have to you look just out. See something. Right there, right below you. Yeah. Holy guacamole! Hey, Bob, <laughs> come over here. Check this out. <laughs> you know, and then you get yeah. a you get a show there. Yeah. For free. Then you got free. Yeah. Not you say just casually like you get a show there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean. Then you gotta walk in and do your job. But <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's just wait and see where this goes. <laughs> You're not uh, disturbing anybody. I mean, and then the, the other thing is, there'll be people around sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes they'll be, like, in the middle. <laughs> you know, with people behind them, sitting next to them. Yeah, you can't have that. And they're still going at it. Yeah. Dude. Mom and dad just right there, you know. Go for it. Yeah, man. Just go for uh, it, yes. On average, how many of these movies are children's movies? <laughs> <laughs> Such a weird question That's a real question. I'm being honest. I don't know how many people want to know the answer to that. <laughs> people should know the answer to this, because I feel like there's some weird shit that goes on in those children's movies mm-hmm. that I've heard about. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
people want to pick movies that are least likely to have people in them. Yeah. So if they come in the daytime, they'll definitely pick a children's movie. Yeah. And they'll have a whole bunch of themselves. Yeah. Definitely. I feel like horror is still like the go-to genre for like, you know what I mean? Like it gives them an excuse to be like ridiculously close to you. And that's all you're really looking for out of, uh, yeah. like, a movie to fuck you. Yeah. yeah so. You know, then at that point, you just, like, throw the hole in the bottom of the popcorn bag. And yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, has anyone ever actually done that? <laughs> well, that was just one time. No, I have no idea, dude. <laughs> I tried it, man. I got salt in the popcorn. just burns, dude. <laughs> For the first time ever, yes. what is the worst thing that has ever happened to you on the job? Um, as a floor manager, the worst thing that could ever possibly happen is when children are lost or left behind. Uh, you know, you can think of any kind of scenario and uh, you know, go from there. But aside from like, you know, children, you know, you got people fighting, you got people being drunk, or now with our reserve seating, you got people sitting in the wrong seats. Yeah. So you have to do a domino effect, you know, yeah. you have to approach everybody. Has that actually made things harder at at the theater with the reserved seating? Or do most people usually sit in the seats they're supposed to? For the most part, yeah. You know, they're aware that this is what okay, has to happen. Where I'm be. But some people they refuse to uh, yeah. you know follow the system. So when that happens, sure enough, it snowballs. Yeah. And you gotta go in there, and or if they even tell you at all, because right. some people might just sit somewhere else, and then like you said, a domino effect where they just sit everywhere. Right. I guess. And then what's the point of the system? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it, it it works fine when it's slow and there's like nobody around, and people can move around. But I mean, if you got sold out auditorium and people yeah. sit around everywhere, like an like an opening night or a busy opening weekend mm-hmm. per se. Yeah. So. But I mean, that's, that's the point of it. So people sit where they're supposed to sit and there's no problems and stuff. Because uh, there's theater hoppers and stuff. And yeah. It eliminates that. How often do you think you have to deal with a theater hopper? Or like, like, how many times do you run into one of those people where it's like, hey, he's been like watching three or four movies today? Right. Or um, nowadays, not so much. Yeah. Uh, on busy weekends, you know, not so much. Because there is that reserve seating that prevents it. Yeah. But on a slow day... Like, during the week, right. during, during the day. During the week, somebody will come up in the morning. Next thing you know, you're clocking out. You see them leaving, too. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, guy really likes to pay for movies. Right. But, uh, you know, if, if you're uh, attentive, yeah. uh, you know, you can definitely spot them. And yeah. It, it, you know, you can approach them very easily. Yeah. It's not too, it's not too difficult. Yeah. Or sometimes when the movie shuts off because they didn't pay for a ticket, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just kind of out themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How often do you have to handle that per se? Like, I, well, I guess explain like how the movies work in general. Like, if you don't pay for, if no one buys a ticket for it, what happens? Right. So the projector itself is uh, connected to the box office computer. Yeah. So if there's a ticket sold, the projector will stay on. If not. It will cut off after about 20 minutes into the future. Mm-hmm. Um, it does happen maybe once every week, 
like once every two weeks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, same thing. They they get approached. They don't have any tickets. Yeah. You know, they come up with some sort of lie. Yeah. Oh, I just threw it away. Oh, man. You know, if I had that piece of paper, <laughs> right. I, I could argue with that computer and tell it to come back on. Right. <laughs> but it's stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't want to believe me. Yeah. yeah. So. If only there was some sort of receipt that we give. Yeah. <laughs> Something. You got anything? I mean, come on. Right. <laughs> uh, dude, uh, wow. How gratifying is it? When someone complains about, like, their movie show and they're often like, oh, fuck, now I gotta go run back on. Like, how gratified, grati- gratifying is it when you realize they didn't pay for a ticket? So now you get to be like, you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Like, um, well, when the projector shuts off, mm-hmm. we're pretty certain yeah. that there's no ticket sold. Yeah. So we, we'll, we'll go to the full extent and say that we're, look, we're gonna look into it. You know, hey, was there any tickets sold? Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe it did accidentally shut off. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a possibility. It, it could happen. Maybe the bulb exploded or yeah. or something. You know, uh, but you know, you'll take the customer's word for it. And then uh, once you find out that there's no tickets sold, then they aren't the customer in a, anymore. And fuck the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, now no. you need to leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's theft of services. You know, they're stealing. Yeah. So just like any other criminal. Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I was going to say, like, there's not, like, a big scene about it or anything. Because, like, you know, like, generally speaking, like, uh, goddamn, it's hard to ask this question in a way that, like, I don't already know the answer to. You know <laughs> what I mean? I'm like, how, like, how do you actually deal with the ne'er-do-wellers? Like, how often do does an uh, outside uh, third party, maybe, like, uh, authority... Mm-hmm. get involved so first timers it's not too much of a big deal you yeah. know someone's trying to get a double feature yeah cool harmless no mm-hmm. big deal it happens right. deal is expensive we get it right <laughs> so that that's fine but when you start having the repeat mm-hmm. offender you know same guy every week yeah always getting caught always complaining yeah. about the movie or they take it up a notch. They get very aggressive about their movie cutting off and how they, they swear they have a ticket. Yeah. You know, and they don't want to listen to reason. So um, once it gets to that level, then yeah, you can call the police department, you know, start prosecuting yeah. for theft of services. What now, is the, like, real quick, what is it like? A lot of places, like, they're either, like, super always fucking call law enforcement or they're, like, try and avoid it as much as humanly possible. Uh, Where would you say uh, does your business end on that, like, uh, the place you work for? Trying to call the police? Like, do they, like, is their first reaction, or policy-wise, is the first reaction, like, you know, like... uh, fucking call the cops like do the whole process or is it more like get the fuck out of here yeah for the most part just yeah. like leave right you don't really want to make a big deal out of, you know, out of anything yeah but yeah depending on the severity of it yeah man you're real quick to call the police you know some guy comes in with a microwave what <laughs> yeah is that a thing that's a thing you know, here's some, a video somebody comes into the theater and sets up a microwave in the theater Come on. <laughs> you know, I get a joke's a joke, man, but uh, I'm just saying, something like that, 
you know, you can definitely call the police on and say, yeah. hey, you know, this is unacceptable. Yeah, you're going to get the hell out. Yeah, <laughs> like, there's, no, there's no asking you to leave at this point. It's mm-hmm. like, get out. All the reasons I can think of someone bringing a microwave to a theater are not good. <laughs> like, no, it can explode, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> right. like, the first thing my mind goes to is, like, that has to be a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> like, what did you do to that but, microwave? And then you and then you kick him out of there while it passes. <laughs> <laughs> so do I get my money back? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so since you have people trying to like do the cheapskate way of things, you know, movie hopping, getting free movies, do they also go as far as into digging into the trash, try to get refills on items people have already purchased? Right. Very good. What a good question, Chris. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, it's almost like you work there as well. Be, be, because we do have the free refill um, option there. Not only is it an option, but because we do do free refills on the large. On certain items, on, yeah. On the, on the large items, certain items, uh, people are aware of that. So, yeah, they'll go to the trash. They'll pull something out. They'll wash it. Or they might not even wash it. They'll <sighs> just bring it back in and say, hey, my cup got stepped on. Can I get another Can one? Not, yeah. You know, and without some sort of proof, whatever, you know, you kind of have to take their word for it. Um, unless, sure enough, we're certain of it, mm-hmm. which has happened before. You know, people get caught, yeah. uh, you know, picking stuff out of the trash and they, they get approached and they get banned. 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 <laughs> banned. There is no coming back. Damn. Yeah. Here's a question about that. Have you ever caught a regular customer doing that? A regular customer? Yeah, like yeah. one of the regulars that come in daily or weekly. Unfortunately. And how are the feelings when you find the regular customer doing that, and how do you approach that situation? Because like, at that point, it's almost a personal level, right? Because right. they're regular. You almost know them on a personal level. So how do you handle that one? Mm-hmm. Or how does it feel to be in that situation where you got to be like, Dude, <laughs> you know, just recently, uh, very close friends of uh, you know someone at the theater mm-hmm. uh, was caught uh, doing that, that exact thing. So luckily, I wasn't the person that had to approach them. But uh, yeah, having to be that person to say, "Hey, friend," <laughs> first of all, you get free comp tickets here, right? Second of all, you're not spending any money in the concession stand. Right. Now you're just taking advantage of us. You know? Yeah. And I think it's just embarrassing for everybody. Yeah. You know, yeah. Everybody. You know? Especially at that point. Because, like I said, they're regular customers, so it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're one of the employees almost. Mm-hmm. And then they take it a little too far. You're like, whoa, you don't actually work here. <laughs> like, you can't be doing that. Yeah. You know? Now, um, uh, like, uh, it's kind of like uh, sneaking your own food into the movie theaters is almost a cliche at this point. Like, pretty much everyone has done it once. Yeah. Uh, Like, how is, like, how is that handled? Is it just, like, eh, fuck it most of the time? Or, like, you know, like, when does it become a -hmm. big issue that you actually have to do something about? Right. Versus, like, you know, like, a fucking pack of Skittles. Right. I mean, for the most part, people bring in stuff, they sneak it in, you know, with a bag or in their pockets or whatever. You know, it's no big deal. These, you know, these are things that either they're not, they're obviously not going to buy from us, or yeah. maybe we don't sell it, you yeah. know, or they just can't afford it. That's fine. Um, but when it becomes obvious that they're walking up here with boxes of pizzas or, or Whataburger 
or whatever, <laughs> you know, a Walmart bag yeah. full of stuff. I just went shopping. Can I bring this in? Yeah, you know, it's just like um, the more obvious it is, the more easier it is to say no. Yeah. We have we have a policy, you know. No, yeah, I mean, cause like. I could kind of see that, where, like, if other people are seeing that you're just letting it slide, then it becomes, like, a much bigger issue than just, like, someone bringing some M&Ms in their pocket and, like, a monster drink or some shit. Since we don't sell coffee, you know, we allow coffee, you know, you can bring your own bottled water. But here, the other thing is, when people bring in their own drinks, you don't know what's really in them. Yeah. Yeah. It could be, it looks like water. (laughs) <laughs> doesn't yeah. smell like water it looks like water <laughs> it looks like water yeah it looks like soda okay so um what are some instances where like banning a customer was like the only solution mm-hmm. yeah so a situation like um a homeless person coming in to bathe in our sinks what <laughs> <laughs> please go on so for a long time, there was this uh, mentally challenged, I guess, homeless person. Oh, man. Um, she would come in and, you know, we don't deny her, but uh, she was caught s- seen in the restrooms numerous times uh, in the sink, like sitting in the sink washing herself. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know exactly. That's some specialized training shit right there. Was, like, uh, you don't just walk into that scenario all <laughs> with fucking Ellie. For Is the this... price of a movie ticket, you know, <laughs> right. get yourself a gym membership. You know, and use the showers there, right. man. Was this during the day or during the night? Yeah, during the day. It would have to be, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, when this particular incident happened, it was, it was during the day. But this this person would come up here. It would she would come up here regularly, you know, and constantly get caught, you know, not just the appetizer hopping or yeah. trying to get stuff in the trash. And, yeah, you know, she get confronted and finally, hey lady, you can't yeah. bathe in our sink. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> please don't come back. <laughs> please don't come back. It just seems like the kind of thing you don't expect to have to ask somebody to do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, it was obvious that she was uh, mentally not there. There was also another homeless guy that came in, and he just, you know, he just walks in, casual, like nothing, and, you know, I had to chase him down and kept asking him, excuse me, excuse me, no response, mm-hmm. just kept avoiding me. Finally, I walked him out, and security uh, said that uh, this particular person was going around lighting fires. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, he would just go in front of businesses and put, like, Newspaper or something like that, and just light it on fire and like walk away and stuff. And people were like, oh, yeah, what? So they're like, yeah, I'm gonna check the restroom to make sure he didn't light nothing on fire. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah I mean, I followed him around. Yeah, something like that. You know, ban, get out of here. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Now, when you ban somebody, like, do you, is there like a list of banned people somewhere in the wall in, in a back room, or is there like their photographs? Like, how does that work? Like, because what, what would stop them? From just waiting like a couple months and then coming back. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. There's, yeah, there's definitely a procedure. Yeah. You know, you have to let corporate know, you have to fill out our paperwork. Yeah. You know, if there's any kind of images on surveillance. Yeah. Um, luckily, we don't really have too many people. Too many people that were banned. I mean, they're just kind of banned like on a local level. Yeah. But if, if it gets worse, then yeah, you have to let 
corporate know, hey, this is how it is. I'd imagine that'd be pretty pretty intense to like have to constantly keep kicking someone out and mm-hmm. doing all that. Yeah. So what would you say is the best thing that's ever happened to you on the job? Um, the best thing, you know, I love birthday parties. I used to give tours when uh, when the kids would come up there for birthday parties. Really? Yeah, we, we used to take them up to the booth and show them how That's to really cool. work. Yeah. yeah, that is awesome. Uh-huh, throw it up, and who's the birthday kid? This guy right here? All right, come on, man. You're going to start the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, me? Yeah, come on. You see that big old green button right there? <laughs> yeah, all right. I'm colorblind. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to put your finger right over it. No, don't push it yet. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you're going to push this button, and over here, there's this handle here. <laughs> You're going to get this handle, and when the film goes through, you're going to pull it down. Yeah. It's going to allow the light to go through, and it's going to shine on the screen. That's going to be you, okay? Yeah. All right, so let's wait until it's 3 o'clock. 5, 4, 3, 1. Jimmy, hit the red button. <laughs> <laughs> no, not the red button. Stop everything. Get the breakers. Get them on the radio. <laughs> we got a code 17 down here, y'all. <laughs> This is, this is the one. <laughs> this is the one. This is the big one. This is the big one. So that that was probably the most rewarding. I mean, aside from that, you know, like the president George Bush has been up there a couple of times. Some celebrities, you know, really cool. Chris Rock was up there. Um, yeah, because uh, from what I understand, it's right across the street from a comedy club. Mm-hmm. So how often do like those comedians actually come through, mm-hmm. or if at all? Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, sometimes the managers will come over and be like, hey, someone's over there, they want to stop by. Yeah. Can we arrange it? Sure. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So people just use their power of famous to just be like, I want to go and, and you're going to let me in to all of the, like, your secret <laughs> fucking employee album and shit. And why? Because fuck you, that's why. Like, <laughs> I can just imagine Chris Rock like, you know, I've never been up there. I'm going up there now. Like, <laughs> If you, if you want them to, sure, but when I was at the River Oaks Theater, uh, that movie Half-Baked came out. Yeah. Mm. And the main character, what's his name? Dave Chappelle. Uh, Dave Chappelle. Okay, the other main character. Uh, McDonald? <laughs> McDonald? Norm? Norm? Norm wasn't in it, was he? <laughs> Not a main character. No. Well, one of those guys from Half-Baked. Yeah. He was at the uh, comedy yeah. stop just down the street, and he happened to come over to the theater a couple times. That's really cool. Uh, to, to watch the movies and stuff. Also, uh, Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top. Cool. Yeah, he was at the River Oaks Theater. Uh, yeah. Selena. Selena before Back she was... Back in the day. Yeah, yeah, before she was big. That must have been cool. Mm-hmm. So all the cool stuff mostly happens at River Oaks. Right. I mean, it was a nice... <laughs> Not this theater. <laughs> but River Oaks. Yeah. I mean, it was the 90s. You know, it was just kind of different or whatever. Mm-hmm. Over here, you know, George Bush Sr., Uh, I think Michael Marquez, he ran a movie for um, was it Katy Perry. Oh wow, Katy Perry. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, Prince Prince had a screening at the River Oaks Theater one time. That's really cool. Wait, he just yeah, he like did. chose to like he was like I feel like I'm gonna have a movie. Well, he with, like lunch. He also had Purple Rain, so it might have been Purple Rain. Um, no, actually. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was like 98, 98, 99, somewhere around there. He was yeah, playing in town, and uh, 
they call the city, they say, hey, uh, you know, Prince wants to come watch this movie. Cool. He goes, but here's the thing. You're going to start the movie. If anybody's going to sit there, you know, like, if any theater personnel has to be there, mm-hmm. they have to sit up, like, in the front. Yeah. He's going to sit in the back. And while you're there, do not look back. Because it's Prince, and that's how Prince rolls. Yeah. Like, he's got some weird rules, man. Yeah, don't look at him. Don't make any eye contact. Yeah. Don't talk about his shoes. <laughs> don't mention his height. Don't. Yeah. So, um, man. Yeah, and then they ran a movie, and I guess somewhere in the middle of the movie, um, maybe, like, the N-word came up. Ooh. And he got offended, so Ooh. he just got up and left. What? Yeah, the new manager didn't even know that. He's already watching the movie. He's not allowed to look back, right? Yeah, everybody's gone. Do you think the job as the projectionist and slash floor manager has done good to you? Like, has it taught you many things that you never thought you would learn? Is it beneficial to your daily life? Or even just the people you've worked for and yeah. the, the different theaters, like projectionists? Right. Um, very much. I mean, the projectionist gig was probably a little bit more limited than the floor manager because the projectionist job was uh, confined to just the boss and the projectors. There wasn't really much um, interaction with anybody else. Um, but from the projectionist point of view, you see the daily theater, op- the, the daily theater operation that mm-hmm. happens. Um, so I was able to learn how the theater kind of functions from afar. Yeah. Now, as a floor manager, I'm able to interact with more people and um, <clears throat> see customers on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. You so, can make connections with people and whatnot. Right, right. So, um, I mean, besides the, uh, the customers, um, the behind-the-scenes work that happens in the box office and the concession... Um, I'm able to learn more about how that functions. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of this knowledge, I take it and I apply it to my own business. I take the theater business model and I apply it to my own. Yeah. You know, uh, try to make money off of art. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think that the, the theater um, has benefited me in lots of ways to be a better person. You know, you want to clean up after yourself. You know, you don't want to leave your children behind. <laughs> you know, you don't want to scoop stuff, trash out of the, you know, get refills. I mean, I think it, I think it has helped. Yeah, I'm pretty sure showers should stay in the shower and not the sink. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> if things get too bad, it's like in the motel room, I guess. But... <laughs> Right, just go to the local water park. <laughs> <laughs> Jump in the bayou. <laughs> uh, well, whether it be the people you interact with on a daily basis or the movies that you uh, you're dealing with, like what are some some personal attributes that you can say uh, you've uh, you've grown in? You know? With the that the theater environment has helped you grow. Mm-hmm. So, I would say that because of the daily interactions with people, I was able to grow more into how to uh, communicate, communicate with all sorts of type of people. Um, before, I had zero, zero interaction. So. Yeah. It didn't matter how I talked to anybody yeah. or how people talked to me. Um, but now more so, um, having to 
talk to people from offices to corporate people, lawyers, all the way down to the basic preview screening people that take advantage of stuff. You know, <laughs> um, it taught me how to communicate uh, on all these different levels. You know, yeah. professional and uh, being just a cool, chill dude. <laughs> yeah. um, also, you know, trying to be responsible. Um, something like that. But yeah. So would you say? <laughs> so, something like that. Oh, okay. So, so would you? Middle <laughs> So would you say you you actually prefer being a floor manager slash projectionist over just being a pro- projectionist back in the day, doing your punch back in Notre Dame of the theater? Oh man, you know, with the stress that happens on floor sometimes, sometimes I'm like, man, I really wish I was just a projectionist. Oh, <laughs> 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 Pull me away and keep me away from everything. But uh, no, I think. Um, I think being a floor manager is also uh, satisfying because you know you know you're making a difference yeah. somehow yeah. you know with your own personal influence and stuff yeah so there's that yeah. and also there's a lot more stories you can take away from it. <laughs> <laughs> damn man it's one time yeah man <laughs> I remember I was sweeping the carpet one time man and then. Another piece of popcorn was on the floor. <laughs> oh, man, what's the deal with that, man? Where's the popcorn coming from? I don't understand. Uh, you mentioned the screening people. How's dealing with those people? Like, whenever they come through, like, do they ever get really rude or irate? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, they are there to see a free movie. But, like, how do they normally interact with you? If at all they interact with you? Mm-hmm. So, sometimes they'll show up very early in the morning. Let's just say 8 o'clock in the morning. Oof. So the policy is that people aren't supposed to wait and, li- and line up like that until 2 p.m. So sometimes people just put their chair out there. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I mean, I guess you can, you can allow that if nobody steals a chair. You know? Yeah, I was going to say. But that's, you know, yeah, that's, that's up to them. Um, but so people will be there all day waiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally at 5 o'clock, you know. There's a long line that goes all the way out to the garage. They've been waiting for a long time. They're irritated. Um, so they'll say something like, you know, my my dad just got brain surgery. Mm-hmm. And he's been out here in the heat all day long waiting for this free movie. You you have to let us in. Yeah. Um, Why are you seeing a movie after brain surgery? You know, <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe he shouldn't be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, you know? yeah. yeah, at maybe. all. You should give them some rest. <laughs> but sure, if you want to be here and you want to watch this free movie, you're going to have to wait just like everybody else. Well, if something happens to him, this is your fault. Well, I'm not the one that invited you here. Yeah. You know, I'm not forcing you to stay here yeah. either. So no, it's, it's not our fault. So they'll try to put you know liability on you. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll try to make you... Guilt trip, basically. Mm-hmm. They'll try to put that whole guilt trip on you and try to make it seem like it's your fault. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the studios are the ones that are inviting these people over, so technically it's their fault. Mm-hmm. You know, all we have to do is provide something for the representative, yeah. and they handle the actual guests that come in. Yeah. So they're almost a little bit easier to deal with, I guess, in a way, because, like, you know, if anything happens with them, at least when they're outside, it's not your responsibility. So it's like, okay, well, you got to call the studio and not... <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, we, we, we tell them, hey, talk to the person that gave you that, yeah. that pass or whatever. 
Yeah. It's interesting. But, yeah, I mean, and also, like you're saying, I mean, they come in, they, they want free stuff. You know, they'll complain. They'll, they'll try to get passes, you know, for movies. And you're like, dude, mm-hmm. uh, you're here for a free movie to begin with? Yeah, you didn't pay for anything. <laughs> oh. Yes. So we've gone over all the projection stuff. We've gone over where have you come from, how you got to where you are. Let's talk about your uh, your future. Do you plan on continuing uh, continuing to be a projectionist, or do you have any future plans? Do you have any other endeavors that are going on right now? Any other like side jobs or projects? Like What else is happening in your life besides projection? Mm-hmm. So... Um, while doing projection and working in the theater, I also had a, uh, a booking and promotion company. So I would book bands and I would promote them and, you know, basically do the same thing that the theater yeah. would do, but in, in a live venue uh, form. Uh, recently, the wife, she crochets dolls, so she started up her own business of, uh, of Emma Grammy. Mm-hmm. Um, her business is called Cult Girl Creations girl with three R's and um, we would do pop-up markets for about seven years traveling everywhere um, selling her uh, creations and stuff and it's pretty successful Um, now we've kind of taken up to the next level Mm. we've opened up a store uh, in the Heights oh yeah 18th and Yale (laughs) 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 say again 18th and Yale (laughs) this store is called the Whimsy Artisan Boutique. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's, a, it's a small little boutique in the, in the Heights with um, over 70 local artists. Everything's handmade, hand-drawn, um, ranging from soap to towels to artwork, nice. jewelry. Um, so we, we have a little store, and I also have another business where I rent out projectors, screen and sound, uh, taking the theater experience to your to events, yeah, yeah, at your convenience. Um, you know, big twenty foot inflatable screens, uh, classic movies. It could be anything from sports to mm-hmm. video games. Is it set up to a such a situation where, like, even if somebody wanted to like uh, premiere their own movie, they could just like fucking be like, show this movie, but like, do it in a cool place. Exactly. That's the thing, you know, uh, it, it definitely um, uh, peers out to, like, directors um, mm-hmm. that want to showcase their movie. Yeah, without having to go to an actual theater, like, rent out a theater, you can, your business can come to their home and, like, they can bring in close relatives or friends or even maybe... Is it, like, an outdoor theater, like, a possible setup? Right. It's, a, it's an indoor, outdoor... Um, so I was going to say, like, there, there actually probably are some calls for that. Like, if I was, like, like if I was making a movie, right, like, I would showcase it through, like, an outdoor party, mm-hmm. like, yeah. over a pool or something right. fucking cool like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, let me know when you're ready. <laughs> that sounds baller as shit. Yeah, actually, a buddy of mine, he, um, he wants to do a, a movie crawl mm-hmm. for three nights, two different locations. Oh, cool. Each night. So we'll be doing that at the end of April. But definitely, you know, if you can showcase your movies. If you're a record label, you can showcase the bands mm-hmm. and have the merchandise sit, you know, sitting there. Yeah. Um, birthday parties, fundraisers, church events, nice. senior citizen. Now, it lockers. seems... Sorry to interrupt. Uh, it seems like you, uh, you really have your pulse on, like, sorry, your finger on, like, the pulse of, like, general, like, artistic vision. 
Mm-hmm. Like, you, you're trying to get everyone to, like... It just seems like the running mentality you have is to, like, get, like, uh, artists to communicate and, like, branch off and network and, like, share. Like, that's kind of, like, your thing. Right. Uh, what are what are some things that you uh, may have learned in doing that that would be helpful for, like, uh, people starting their own uh, content and uh, branching out? Like, how, how would you, like, suggest people doing that branched off? Well, kind of started networking for themselves. Right. Um, definitely um, branding yourself, you know, having some sort of a recognizable logo or whatever, you know, something that people can recognize, and you definitely want to tag everything it is that you're doing. Um, but taking that leap, you know, that leap of faith or whatever you want to call it, uh, to follow your passion and your dream, um, when you do understand art appreciation, I guess uh, you can uh, you can take that and uh, you know like you say network uh, you know with everybody else from uh, from not only the artists but like people that print print up the the paperwork you know your artwork or whatever whatever medium it is that you're you know like uh, people who deal in making merchandise for instance like mm-hmm. t-shirts or pins right. or like you know whatever video editors podcasts radio promo yeah. people I mean have you ever have you ever held like because I've always had this image in my head like if I was gonna like do a network scheme to get like everybody in my area on the same page like I would throw a fuck party yeah like That's and invite everyone it. yeah is that just, like the most common way do you think to do that because like I think everyone thinks that they're like how am I gonna fucking like share my brand and get everyone's numbers mm-hmm. fucking party let's all do drugs <laughs> like <laughs> That's one way. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I mean, like, is that like your usual go-to in like uh, re- arranging something like that? Right. So, I mean, like I said before, it was called members of the Black Circle Society. So, it was basically uh, you know you kind of get a get together with people that are involved in record stores, radio, yeah. uh, you know, television, whatever the heads of all these departments and stuff, and get together, bounce ideas. Uh, yeah. But, you know, everybody has to be committed. You know, you have to, you have, to have some kind of, uh, you know, sign of commitment, you know, yeah. whatever it is. But yeah, for sure, man, you know, get everybody on the same page, follow the artistic dream. Yeah, I, I got you. Um, so you have the projection business and you have the, the art store. Have you ever brought those two together at one point? Or do you plan on bringing those two together? Mm-hmm. We're doing movie nights now yeah. there at the at the location. Okay. To kind of help bring in uh, you know more traffic. Yeah. Wait, at your store? Mm-hmm. What kind of movies are you showing? Um, classic movies. Well, like horror movies. We're doing uh cult movies. We did the Thing last month. We're doing Harold and Maude this month. I should totally go to one of those, actually. I didn't know yeah, you knew that shit. Was, like, what the fuck? Too, <laughs> like, we're gonna... There's a movie showing, like, place just yeah. happening every week. Yeah. Well, it's new now. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, so for anyone who's interested in this or going to this, where is it located and on what nights do you usually have it? Mm-hmm. Usually it's on a Friday night, uh, mm-hmm. but the whimsyartisan.com uh, is where you'll find more information. Okay. We're we're in the Heights Cumming Market mm-hmm. on 18th and Yale in Houston, Texas. Uh, we do movie nights, uh, usually on Fridays, sometimes on Saturdays. Nice. 
Um, they're free, free to attend. We're also doing craft nights. Cool. You, know, you can build something. So we, we do something called make and take it. Uh, you can make the product and you can take it home. Cool. Mm-hmm. What is, what sounds is, actually like really cool. Yeah. What, what all that? What all does that involve? Like, what do you, what are you making out of what? Basically, like what kind of materials are there? So so the last event that we had it was um, a unicorn. Oh wow. <laughs> and yeah, out of what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's these kits. Okay. That we bought for ten people. Okay. You know, uh, you're interested in it. You sign up for it. Mm-hmm. You pay the fee. It's a thirty-five dollar fee, and it's a seventy dollar value. Okay. You know, the actual unicorn when you finish it and you do it all together. Yeah. It's valued at seventy bucks. <clears throat> so the experience is thirty-five dollars. You sign up for it. You show up. Uh, meet and greet. Everybody talks to each other. Um, you have some snacks. You get some drinks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Anything, uh, you know. <laughs> Various fun substances, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, some wine, some soda, some cheese, some snacks and stuff. Yeah. But um, the Make and Take uh, Unicorn, it's a little kit. Uh, it has some felt, you know, scissors, um, the little eye, the hair. Uh, basically, you trace it out, you cut it up, sew it together, mm-hmm. stuff it, put the hair in it. Oh, wow. You know, um, you know it, it, it helps bringing people together yeah. gives them an experience and then they take something home as a souvenir yeah the next one we got coming up is uh, string art so what it is is like a, it's a plaque it's a wooden plaque board and you you, you overlay an image on it um, oh like I think yeah like, like the state of Texas or something you know? yeah so once the image is on there you can uh, put these nails down and you can tie the string right and you just tie the string you know and you can That's make really it cool. as elaborate as you want it's like so, connect the dots, except like <laughs> on the string and nails. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. Um, it is pretty cool. You know, you know, you got your different levels: easy, medium, mm-hmm. hard. Um, but yeah, that's gonna be the next one coming up. Cool. You know, we got the movie nights happening. Nice. Lego nights. Uh, Do you have a Facebook page that people can find to figure out these? Uh, Schedules? Yeah, you find it. Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. I'll come back to that later. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, we're on Facebook, Instagram. Um, well, I know you have the Facebook stuff for the, the art store, but do you have one for your project? Um, I, I do want to put the uh, projector with the band. I do want to do that, like with the band. I mean, I, I do have the, I do still have a band. Oh. We're still active. So, yeah. Uh, go ahead. Go oh, yeah. Talk, mm-hmm. about, talk about that shit. So, so the band that I had in the 90s was called Funeral Rites. So the topic of the discussion for a long time was funerals, rituals, mm-hmm. heaven and hell, and everything that has to do with all that. So all of that research has led me to um, ancient civilizations and how important it is to the biblical connection, mm-hmm. I guess. So what I'm trying to do with the new band called Saturnatas is bring attention to these places yeah. to help uh, bring that up to the forefront, yeah. you know, more so than it was before. Um, I think now with um, ancient aliens and everything else that's on TV, it's definitely more popular. And yeah, people are more interested in, like, the, not, well, the occult, I guess, but, like, also just the weird other things that are out there. Mysteries. Yeah. Mysteries of the universe and everything. So, because the topic is definitely a lot different from the extreme death metal stuff, Yeah. what I want to do is I want to use the projectors to put images of what it is that we're talking about yeah you know in this ancient past or whatever 
Kind of like a live music video. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you know, playing, we're talking, you know, Rockwall, Texas, you know, yeah. so I'm playing, the topic is Rockwall, mm-hmm. check out this video while we're playing, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, show you what, what, what what's going That's on. That's really interesting. Yeah. Be, it kind of makes a cool performance, too. Yeah, it'd be cool. Can't wait to do it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like, uh, <coughs> when can we expect to see, see yeah. this, you know? Definitely soon, man. I want to say the summer. Well, I said summer 2019. It better happen. <laughs> we'll be there. What's the band? <laughs> what's the band's name again? Saturnatas. S A T U R N A S. Okay. Uh, do you have a page set up for that already, or as well? Yeah. Facebook. Nice. Instagram. Have you ever like? Okay, I've always thought this because like I've always thought it would be a fucking awesome idea, but I've never had a band to like act like beyond like a shitty punk garage band for like two months. So, like, as somebody who's actually, like, looking out to go get their name, like, their band's name recognized, have you ever thought about, like, and because, like, you work with film shit, like, have you ever thought about, like, maybe, like, a, making a TV show or something, like, about your band, like, some kind of thing people could watch, like, you know, in the life of, like, a fucking traveling band or some shit? Wow. Because nice. that might be, like, pretty fun. Yeah. I would, like, you know, I've never, act- I've seen, like, comedies about bands but they're not like real bands like have you ever thought about like you know like doing some kind of like podcast for your own brand like i mean i I really wish i was able to document more of the stuff that was going on when we were active back in the 90s yeah but the thing is back then i mean i was 18 a lot of people that was around was around the same age you couldn't just do it on your cell phone my beeper back then didn't have the camera <laughs> but uh, the the band members were also not as committed you know yeah. they kind of just hung out they jammed a little bit and then they just kind of moved on yeah so it was really hard to have a stable stable band to really be serious with I gotcha. But whatever, whoever I had at the time, I do my best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's a good idea. I wish, I wish I did have the capabilities yeah. back then to, to document more stuff. I mean, have you ever thought about still like, do it today. doing mm-hmm. it? I mean, like, if you're literally, like, showing yeah. your own product, you have, the, like, all the means to just be like, all right, this is my band, and this is, like, kind of like a movie mm-hmm. about doing band stuff. Yeah. I mean... I think what you're thinking of, like a like you know what I mean. Though, I know what right? you mean. Like, uh, it, it's it's weird to me that every band ever has passed up the opportunity to make like a legitimate show about their lives. Well, I mean, I'm sure if you search YouTube, you'll probably find some, like uh, yeah. because now yeah, but they're usually just like four dicks. Like fucking around in their living room, like th- that's not a show. Oh, isn't that? Thanks, Kevin. Isn't that like any band though? Like yeah, but like, it, how many times? Do, like beyond like a documentary about a band, have you seen like a band like legitimately like release behind the scenes information, like behind the scenes shit and like shit that they do and just record their fucking lives? Like, could you imagine how awesome it would be? To watch a show about Ozzy Oz, like Black Sabbath or some shit, like all the shit they were doing in the seventies, that was a that would have been a money fucking idea. There was probably too much shit they couldn't show, and that's why they didn't do it. 
That's stupid. You can get away with showing anything you want now. <laughs> you just have to say you weren't really doing anything. Thanks, Kevin, for just fucking over, fucking over whatever I said, dude. That's, that's what I do, stupid. Buddy. That's dumb. <laughs> Fuck, dude. <laughs> <laughs> okay, man. I don't know. I feel like nowadays it wouldn't be that uncommon. Yeah. You know, I feel like if you dig deep enough on YouTube, there probably is, like, a starter band going, like, hey, man, this is us practicing, and this is us at our first gig. Right. It's just yeah, algorithm like, is so The actual up. experience of a rock star is basically all rumor. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's all, like, you heard Marilyn Manson got his ribs removed yeah. to blow himself. You know what I mean? Like, there's, yeah. you don't I mean, have, like, a reference to but they what kind it's of, like to be a rock star. They kind of do that now anyway, because they have Instagram. But how much of that shit. is just bullshit? <laughs> how much of anything is just right, bullshit? That's fair. Right, that's we're, okay, gosh, okay we're getting out of this conversation. This is turning into another podcast. I'm just saying, that's, like, that's just Instagram uploads. That's not, it's not an actual recording of a life. Wait, 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 are we, are we talking about me? I'm <laughs> <laughs> not talking about, like, uh, I don't know. That's something I always thought, like, I would totally fucking do that if I had a band, and I always wanted to know, I mean, like, if other bands thought about how awesome that idea would be. Bands do do it, though. Like, they'll record themselves in the studio and be like, this is us recording a song today, and blah, blah, blah. I don't know what it is. Have y'all thought Maybe about not the bands that, that you want to yeah, see. I was just a drummer myself now, so. Maybe. But, I mean, Facebook and Instagram just kind of allows everybody to read into everybody's yeah. mind a little bit more easily. Yeah. It kind of takes the mystery of the old band away you know like back in the 80s molly Coo was destroying stuff you only heard about it in the paper and the paper just exaggerated the shit out of it i remember when that book came out from uh nick six's uh biography i was reading a little bit a little bit of it it was crazy mm-hmm. like i'm gonna find that book again that was actually a really good book nice. now that you bring a motley crew right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah uh i think that's it closing comments Thanks. Hey, thank you guys. Seriously, thank you guys for listening to me and uh, taking the time out to to uh, interview me and showcase yeah. us. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for oh, yeah. thanks for doing this for us. You know. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, running a biz, running two businesses. And I'm and sure that the four people listening will be like <laughs> super ecstatic. Yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> no, we don't have any listeners yet. Right. This is us. Work in progress. Right. I'm just saying, by the time it gets around, there'll be about four people. <laughs> I mean, um, I'm, guess I'm, who? I'm also trying to catalog everything <laughs> that's going on. You know, I, I try to take as much pictures as I can and see yeah. everything on flash drives. Yeah. But, uh, but this definitely helps. Definitely. Um, thanks for coming out, Lewis. It's been a, been a great time. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to the Four Dudes interview. And, uh, We also have another podcast called Four Dudes, One Dungeon. So if you like this, go listen to that.